Yoda. Floating in a pod, not, baby Yoda. No, that's not. It is like not. an act of God. <laughs> <laughs> Noble patrons? Yes. <laughs> Hello, gentles all. Welcome to What You Will. A tedious and brief Shakespeare podcast. I'm Charlotte Aline. And I'm Danielle Cohn. And today we're talking about The Winter's, Winter's Tale. Tale. You looked at me just with like a look of fear. It's because and lack honestly, of recognition. It's one of those things where people always get it wrong and use the wrong article when they're talking about it. And because of that, I'm always like, wait, I, I have it right, right? So, well, okay, it's The Winter's Tale, but also it was listed in the contents of my uh, complete works of William Shakespeare as Winter's Tale, so... And some people say A Winter's Tale, and they are wrong. to say? Oh, God, so, I hope this this horrible wheezing sound like a dying basilisk isn't being picked up on the microphone, but probably it is. That's our... Our heater coming on for the first time today Yeah, I, at I like to just make sure that we're painting like a Pee-wee's Playhouse or, <laughs> or, or like Teletubbies-esque world in which smart house world where just every piece of our, our just home kinda, is a, par- a character on the podcast. Kind of like a Dickensian smart house where yes. the pipes whistle and wheeze through the winter months. But very yes. appropriate. We both, I had a cup of hot cocoa, I chugged it. <laughs> I have a piping mug of hot cocoa that is may or may not be my second of the evening. <laughs> As we discuss Shakespeare's most wintry of plays. I was going to say tales, but I guess also tales. Um, Tale plays. I love this play. You love this play. I love this play. I was in this play in high school when all of my when all of one's synapses fuse about which plays they care the most about and uh i played paulina of course oh yeah you did the um, witch the witch i yeah but i guess for our readers who didn't our readers are our readers reading with their ears the fine pod reads all three of them uh for those of you who didn't play paulina in your school plays directed by mrs Storiano, um should we give a brief Synopsis. Oh yeah, Winter's Tale. Let's do it. Okay, so there's this king named Leontes, and he has a wife named Hermione, and he has a best friend named Polixenes. When Shakespeare writes about people who aren't like old English kings, everyone has the wildest names. Yes, and uh, Polixenes has been visiting them. Um, and he's like, I have to go home now to my kingdom where and I Leontes live. And Leontes is like, but brother, you must stay. I want you to hang out. And he's like, no, no, still got to go home. And Hermione's like, no, seriously, stay. And he's like, all right, I guess I'll stay. And Leontes is like, what the fuck? And like, it's all weird around his son, Mamilius. And oh, Hermione is also nine months pregnant while all of this is happening. Um, and so Leontes, king of Sicily, starts freaking the fuck out. And he's like, I have seen the spider in the cup and my wife is cheating on me. And because that's clearly the only reason that he would have said that he will stay. She asked. <laughs> it couldn't possibly have just been like manners. Also, presumably, he's been there for a while because he thinks that also the uh, ch- Hermione's child was fathered by Polixenes somehow. Um, so maybe so, he's bad at math. But yeah. Whatever. So um, he tells his best friend and my personal enemy, the Friar Lawrence of this play, Camillo, yes. um, to poison 
Leontes BFF Polixenes because he thinks he's been cheating on his wife. And Camillo is like, I guess I will. But then Polixenes shows up. And uh, he's like, hey, what's going on? And Camillo's like, I have to poison you, but I'm not going to. Let's run away. And so Camillo and Polixenes run away together to Bohemia, leaving poor Hermione. Leontes flips the fuck out. Uh, he arrests his pregnant wife, Hermione. Um, and she doesn't even cry. She's just like, you're going to regret this. She's like, I mean, you're wrong, but okay. Um, and then we meet uh, Paulina, who's the wife of one of his advisors, and she uh, tries to save Hermione, she brings, Hermione has her baby in jail because she's a fucking badass. And uh, Paulina brings the little baby to the daddy and is like, look at your baby. Aren't you sad? And he's like, no. No, it's not my baby. I'm not sad. And she's <laughs> like, all right, you will regret this. So then they have a big trial. Um, Courtroom and, drama. Yeah. And literally everyone is like, Hermione's innocent. And Hermione's like, I'm innocent. And Leontes <laughs> is like, I will only believe it if the Oracle says that she is innocent. So they get the Oracle of Apollo, which they open and it says, hey guys, she's innocent. And he's like, fuck that. Even the Oracle is wrong. <laughs> and then someone runs in and is like, hey, your son has died of grief because he's worried that you're going to kill his mom. And only in that moment is Leontes like, Oh, I done fucked up, huh? And then Hermione's like, whoa, and like faints because she's so distressed that her, her son is dead. Um, and oh, and after, before the trial happened, he gave uh, the baby baby, the little little newborn oh, yeah, baby, yeah, yeah. to um, Antigonus, his advisor, and uh, Paulina's husband, and was like, go leave the baby in the woods. And Antigonus is like, I mean, this seems unethical, but you I are, guess I must. You are the president, so okay. Um, and so, yeah, so Hermione gets dragged off stage. Classic. Just more fun fun noises from our house. Beeping noises. We just want you to feel like you're here in our living room. <laughs> Get yourself a cup of cocoa. Okay, wait. We got to finish this summary. So uh, Hermione's dragged off stage, and her- Paulina comes back on and is like, she's dead, and screams at Leontes for uh, the greatest five minutes of American, not American, British nope. theater. Um, and presumably continues to scream at him offstage for another, oh, 15 to yeah, 16 years. For 16 years. Um, <laughs> yeah, and anyway, and Leontes is like, oh man, I messed up so bad. And, and the then, oracle says, you, uh, she will never return until you have found your uh, your lost baby. daughter, and only then will you have an heir. Yeah, and he's like, oh, oh too shucks. bad I got her to be dead in the woods. <laughs> Order her dead. <laughs> so, meanwhile, on the coast of Bohemia, which geographically does not exist, uh, Antigonus pulls up with the baby, and um, and like like a, a tiny baby Yoda, he lays her as a foundling in the woods, and is like, "All right, bye, baby." And then a, enters a bear, which chases him off, and he, in ex- the greatest stage direction ever penned, exits, exits pursued by, by a bear. bear. Uh, so Antigonus is eaten by a bear. He's dead. Uh, meanwhile, a shepherd and his son find the baby. They and wander on and they go like, oh, look, a baby. And then someone else comes on and goes, oh, I saw a guy getting eaten by a bear over there. He's definitely dead. Yeah, and they're like, ah, well, guess this is our baby now. And she has uh, many, like, trinkets and rings about her as befits a nobleman's child. And also some a scroll, which I think yeah. either explains... They, they're sort of... Um, vague about what exactly what is on the scroll but it's like their her name and perhaps like clues about her parents yeah uh yeah um and then time himself comes out in our production time was uh, a part split between antigonus and mamilius because they're the two definitely dead characters Mm. um time himself comes out and is like a hop skip and a jump 16 years go by and 16 years go by um and we're in bohemia and it's springtime now and everything's really nice and the shepherds are throwing a big sheep shearing festival and perdita is an all grown-up girl of 16 and she's super mega hot she's so she's stupid hot and she's like 
the queen of the sheep shearing festival. Uh, and we find out that uh, Flor- Florizel, the prince of Bohemia, yep. has been hanging around Perdita and then he's super in love with her and he's also coming to the sheep shearing festival. Yeah, um, and in disguise as Doricles. All, just don't keep try to keep track of the names in this yes. one because they get uh, wild. They're out of pocket. Um, and also that Camillo has been staying in Bohemia with uh, Polixenes as his sort of, because he's safe there, because yeah. he saved him from the murder plot. Oh, and that he's like, I'm getting older and I wish I could go see my home one more time. And Plixenes is like, instead, let's go do a, a hijink. <laughs> he's like, all right, that's just as good, I guess. Uh, so Polixenes, who's uh, the king's BFF who ran away in the beginning, uh, disguises himself because he's like, where's my son been sneaking off to? And he and Camillo, who's just like exists <laughs> t- to burden everyone, um, they go to the sheep shearing festival and uh, there is a clown called Autolycus and he comes out and sings and dances doesn't matter um and then he's like me my whole thing is being bad he and he like Atolicus goes through so many disguises he's like a count olaf of a man just like every scene he comes in he's in a different disguise and yeah he like hoodwinks the the um shepherd's son perdita's brother if you're not keeping track of the relationships don't worry about it. everyone's related it's fine um anyway so we have this fun sheep sharing festival and florizel is like we're gonna get married me to perdita the hot 16 year old and her shepherd dad is like, that's cool. And uh, Polixenes is like, you're his not- His dad, his real dad, who's there in disguise, in disguise. is the king. Everyone is in disguise, but somehow Polixenes recognizes Florizel's disguise, but Florizel does not recognize well, Polixenes' no, Polixenes disguise. came there to spy on yes, Florizel. He yes. knows that Florizel's there in yes. disguise, so he knows but what he's looking there's for. There's just inconsistency with the disguise. I get the feeling that Florizel is not really in disguise. He's, he's just, just like, like using a different name. Yeah. Uh, whereas yes. Polixenes is in disguise and he's like, oh, don't you have a dad? And Florizel's like, yeah. And he's like, is your dad, like, infirm? And he's like, no. And he's like, then don't you think your dad would, like, care to know that you're getting married? And he's like, no, nah, he wouldn't understand. And he's like, you fool! I'm yeah. your dad, and I'm mad at you. And he screams at everyone and is really shitty and slut-shames Perdita. Um, and then he runs off, and everyone's mad at the kids because the shepherd is like, were you seriously going to marry the prince and not tell me you're that? I'm going to be in trouble. I'm going to get hanged. You're not even um, my real daughter. Yeah. <laughs> I found you in the woods. You are great. I found you in the woods. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't say that to Perdita, to his credit, but he is going to, so he, he goes and gets, like, the stuff she was left with as a baby, and he's like, I'm going to show this to the king to prove that, like, me and my son shouldn't be in trouble because we found her and we don't really know that she's like a shepherd's daughter. Uh, so the kids, Camillo fucking sticks his, his foot in, his head in. That's not a phrase. Sticks his nose in. Yeah, sticks his nose in and is like, come on, you his crazy kids. His head foot. <laughs> come on, you crazy kids. Um, I'm going to spirit you all off to uh, Sicily where my ex-boss lives and he's been super sad for 16 years. And just, I just imagine Leontes is like sending Camilla like teddy bears and flowers and like mixtapes. I just picture that, Cam- that uh, Leontes has been sitting in like a wingback armchair <laughs> in a dark room, not moving, with Paulina standing in his ear, just like st- ceaselessly streaming profanities into his How ear about what a piece of shit he is. And then he's just sitting there like getting stooped over being like, I deserve this. I deserve this oh more, which God. he fucking does. He does. We'll get there. Continue. Yeah. So uh, the crazy kids go off with Camillo. Uh, they trade. They have Florizel the prince trade clothes with Atalicus the clown. There's just a pack of clowns in the second half of this play. A pack of clowns. A pack of clothes. A- the back end of this play is real clown heavy. Yes. Um. But they basically trade clothes with him so that they like won't be whatever. Mm-hmm. Um. They get to the to, to Sicily. Uh. And they're like. 
hey, we're here. And Leontes is like, oh, does this mean that my best friend, Polixenes, who I tried to kill, has forgiven me? And they're like, he's like, you're welcome because you're his son. And they're like, yeah, but we've also got some other stuff to tell you. Well, they're like, yeah, we're here from Polix. Oh, and uh, meantime, Autolycus, who now has rich people clothes, um, takes the shepherd and the son, uh, Perdita's family, or adopted family, um, to Sicily, Sicilia, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Also. Um, Yeah, so, yeah, and Florizel's like, this is my wife, she's Libyan. And she's like, yes, hello. And then immediately a messenger comes in and is like, Polixenes is here, he's mad. This his son married a shepherd's daughter, and they're like, "Oh, we lied." And Leontes is pretty cool about it, to his credit. Yeah, he's at this point, he knows he's not in the right to judge literally anyone ever again. Yeah. So he's like, "I'll just listen." So then we get an amazing scene where the servants just like explain to us what is happening off stage, which yeah. I have some thoughts about. I have but a lot they, of they, about. they explain to us, um, everyone is reunited. Everyone figures out who everyone is. We don't have to watch it. Thank God, it's fine. It's all. Then they're all like, "Yeah, it's all great." Um, and then Paulina is like, everyone come to my house for post-reunion tea and to see this awesome statue of Hermione that I've had made all these 16 years. And they're like, it's crazy. It's very realistic. And she visits it every day. Mm, weird. And they go see it. And it's so lifelike. And then Paulina's like, well, as long as you don't hang me for witchcraft, I've got something to show you. And the statue comes to life, and it's Hermione, and everyone is all happy. Paulina has to marry Camillo for some reason, and the They're play like, a is reward over. And that's um, our longest synopsis ever. Yeah. What do you want to talk about first? I have so many thoughts. Um. Okay. So I feel like usually, uh, for those of our our very you know our, our hardcore listeners, yeah. usually in the first episode we talk mostly about like bigger themes and main characters. So I guess we should start by talking about, like, Leontes and Hermione. I feel like I have so many thoughts about so many minor things, so I could go in so many directions. Yeah, I mean... Okay, I'm just going to dive in about something right now. So so here's here's one of my main thoughts. So I tried to take notes, and they are bonkers, because all of my note-taking is bonkers. But something we talked about with Two Gentlemen of Verona is that, ironically, what... Romeo and Juliet gets a bad rap for a lot Mm -hmm. of, like, teens in love doing dumb things and are they even really in love, blah, 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 that you can kind of dismantle from Romeo and Juliet, which is objectively the superior play, Mm -hmm. um, that actually exists in Two Gentlemen of Verona. I'm not saying outright that Othello is the superior play, but in terms of, like, character likability and character Mm -hmm. excusability, I think something that Othello gets a bad rap about is, like, Othello just jumps to conclusions and there's no real support and blah, 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 and we'll get there when we Mm -hmm. talk about Othello, but there are actually a lot of things in the play that lead him to where he gets. Uh, Not not least of which is the whole character of Iago. The whole character of Iago and, like, the way that it's he, like, stages a thing so that he basically sees it with his own eyes. Whereas this, Leontes goes from zero (laughs) to one million. I literally wrote, I literally wrote, he jumps to anger so fast. I thought the language of, or, like, the syntax that he uses when he's convincing himself to be, uh jealous basically is fascinating because there's a ton of extra syllables in his iambic pentameter which creates the effect that he's like rushing and kind of incoherent Mm -hmm. um and then he also like interrupts himself a lot with parenthetical information the way that you do when you're like getting jumpy and paranoid yep and i literally wrote he's like reverse othello and i hate him i it's impossible not to hate well here's what's interesting okay because i 
Um, you know, I, I read this play a couple times in high school because I read it in class and I, I was in it, performed in it. Um, and then I read it again in college. Yeah. And now reading it again now, I found myself ha- feeling very differently than I did the first time Ooh, in what through. way? The first time through, I was like, Leontes is a fucking monster, monster. and I, I hate him. I still, he's not great. I don't like him. But this time through, I found myself, well, one, paying more attention to themes, which I'll get into in a minute. Um, and two, a little bit more like, huh, this Shakespeare knows that this is sudden. Oh, like, yeah. Like, Shakespeare is, this is a That's weird the thing. thing. This play is so meta in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and, it, I mean, it's called The Winter's Tale. It's set up as a story. Um, and it's also kind of like the second half of a tragedy followed by a comedy, a rom-com in this weird way that it's like an inside out Shakespeare play because usually his tragedies will start with a whole bunch of hijinks. Like look at Romeo and Juliet, look at Othello. They're like real fun and romantic for the first half and then things go off the rails. In this one, things go off the rails. In the first five minutes. Instantly. And well, and then I, they get put back together, which I guess is like what Winter Becoming Spring sort of it's is. It's Winter Becoming Spring. Well, also, I, I okay, I think that this plays about a lot of this plays about a lot of things. Um, God, I have so many thoughts. I know. Okay. Same. We're yes. both just like talking so fast. <laughs> okay. This so is why down. we gave you a nice long synopsis, guys, because fucking. Well, which in. was also we spoke at a frantic, a frenetic pace. This is a, a podcast for people who like just feeling a little bit like anxious and attacked at all moments as they're listening as though two harpies are just jabbering at them um so, which was our alternate title <laughs> two harpies jabber at you with their wrong opinions about shakespeare yeah so one i joked that uh oh leontes wants a threesome with or, or leontes and hermione invited flixney's here for a threesome and they it goes uh, horribly wrong and it goes horribly wrong was like what i texted danielle when i started reading it as a joke but then looking at it i'm like Leontes has his two favorite people here and he can't handle it. Like, Leontes can't, he can't handle being happy. I think there are a lot of different ways to read him. One, you could say he's just a horrible monster nightmare person who is just extremely jealous. um, And I think that's a valid reading. Two, you could see him as an evil king in a story and that the first half is really stagey and almost... Almost just like characters play like acting. Like melodrama. Like melodrama to the nth degree, which I think is a fun interpretation of too. the play. I think you can totally... I One of my dream productions is like the first half is extremely high drama, melodrama, stagey nonsense. And then all the Bohemia stuff is like the ushers and the stage hand, or, you know, looked yeah. stage to look as though it's the ushers and the stage hands um, picking up the pieces. I love that. I, I think we should talk about dream productions oh, we in will. a minute. There I are also... so many different things you can do. And like stage it. And I I will say there is something about reading this play that um, more than, I'm not going to say the most of all of the Shakespeare plays, but one of the most that it felt like a fairy tale, which I think is something that gets captured in this of like the the child in the woods, which is very Snow White and like the kings and the queens. But also there's just sort of this pervading feeling of like love and I I don't know, the the romance of it, capital R, like a lot. And also a lot of the tropes, the witch. Okay, but that's, I think this is, taking a part of fairy tale in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I think different productions can, you know, you can do whatever, whatever you, you want. Whatever you want, Shakespeare. But, um, because I think Leontes, I think all the men oh, you live... Saying, but the ways to do yeah. Leontes, okay. that and then sure. we'll Yes. I'm sorry, friends. I feel like this is going to be one of the harder episodes to parse. Befitting, um, The Winter's, Winter's Tale, <laughs> a play where the first half is people yelling and screaming and, like, murdering babies, and the second half is all sheep. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so I think, okay, one, one, he's evil. Two, he's a storybook evil king. Yeah. Three, he's 
some he I mean I think it's fair to play him as some version of like genuine paranoia in the like mentally ill way that he's yeah. having like a psychic break right now um, and because that, again, um, the way he starts, like the way again, just like the beauty of Shakespeare and what's amazing, yeah. even though they didn't have the jargon that we have now of like so many of the things that he wrote and the people that he mm-hmm. wrote, whether or not you feel like actually diving into it and playing it that way, like even the way he starts talking when he's getting jealous it's, is like textbook of having like an episode. Yeah, like he's a manic having episode a, or a, he, yeah. I think he's having a manic episode. Yeah, um, because it comes out of nowhere, and it's. It's I mean, almost, it's triggered. He's triggered. He's, and he's then triggered. It, yeah. Um, and he, it, he's, the deluge pours forth. Yes. He's triggered by seeing, Stange. like, Hermione and Polixeny. He, he tells Hermione, like, go, go, you try to convince our friend to stay. Mm-hmm. And and she does. And she gets there by being like, oh, but you guys were such good friends when you were little, you and Leontes. Um, th- there are so- several scholars interpret this play as, like, Leontes having a hard one on for Polixenes, which I don't think it is wrong but i think it's a little insulting to be like he's gay and that makes him crazy like yeah. that's not true um but whether or not he's in love with or lusting after polixenes i think he can't handle that like his he well, one he's like so del all the men in this play are so emotional and so delicate except he, for polixenes but oh no, no, no. not he except for he, he also is i was is. gonna say at the beginning of the play but we'll get there in except for florizel maybe florizel's chill. florizel's like the one true feminist florizel's the only good man florizel's <laughs> friends harry and get, we'll get, there. get you a man who can do both um yeah. by which i mean go to a flower festival and be a prince yeah um oh man he is prince harry he's oh. prince harry we're gonna get there oh. florizel's perfect florizel <laughs> anyway, and Perna are one of Shakespeare's best couples all, fight. Me. Yeah. Oh yeah. All of the adult men are really emotionally fragile, and it's this like very fragile pride, very fragile yeah. masculinity. And I think like just even seeing his wife like make another guy laugh is enough to destroy him. And I also think he's got this thing going on that is, I think, part of for many people what a manic episode looks like of catastrophizing the situation where like he sees. Uh, his wife is talking to his friend. He's like, oh no, what if they like each other more than me? What if they're scheming against me? What if I have no one? What if I'm nothing? What if I die? And what if my di- son isn't even mine? Yeah, what if everything that I have, my life is so perfect, but what if everything that I have is built on lies? And it, it's also interesting that we start in winter and it's this kind of like spring will never come again. There's, the future is so black. There's no, no nothing good could ever happen to me. Weird mentality. We're like, he has no reason to feel this way. He's a literal king and his life is fine. And he has like the most perfect wife in the world and she loves him and, and they have a perfect child and they have another one yeah, on the way. Yeah. And his friend is hanging out in his living room drinking uh, whiskey or whatever. Mamilius is so cute. I love that. I, I love all the rich moms in Shakespeare because uh, Hermione in that one scene with Mamilius, she like comes on with Mamilius and like gives him to the nurses and is like, can you watch this kid I can't handle him and then she comes back a few minutes later and is like okay now I'm for you again yes. and like has him tell her a story it's very cute yeah so that was my read on Leontes is that like Shakespeare knows that this comes out of nowhere and he's doing that yes, intentionally which I like because it doesn't feel un I mean it feels unearned but it feels like the play is aware that it's unearned and that's part of the play because and I feel like if you have any doubt that that is intentional it's the moment with the oracle when even after he's been you know People have pled with him who he trusts, who he loves, and he won't listen to anyone. And he literally announces, I only am going to trust this oracle. It's going to prove me right. And in front of everyone, it proves him wrong. And he still says no. Then at that point, 
you're like, oh, okay. Shakespeare knows exactly what he's doing. He has written an unreasonable man. And he's written an unreasonable king. Because again... Which is much scarier. Uh, like, literally, there are no checks on... The only check on Leontes' power is Paulina yelling at him. And she has limited power because she's a woman. This, honestly, a lot of this play was hitting me weirdly close to home. Because I was like, wow, even the quote-unquote good men around... Leontes are so like Antigonus is supposed to be one of the good guys he's Paulina's husband he when Paulina is chewing Leontes out the first time and Leontes keeps calling her a witch you know he calls Paulina a witch he calls Hermione a whore it's like very misogyny 101 and he's like Antigonus can you put a muzzle on this woman and Antigonus is like don't look at me but even Antigonus in like the first time that Leontes is like my wife is a slut Antigonus is like if she turns out to be a slut I'll murder all three of my daughters like, even the good men around Leontes obey his orders without question. Oh, to me, that felt like a, a sarcastic statement of, like, I am I so... I read it that way. Oh, I read it as, like, literally, if she were a slut, I would murder all of my family. That's how certain I am that she is not a slut. That's fair, but, but I still just... still that kind of sexist the, language. Yeah, and also the fact that he does leave the... He doesn't have to leave the baby on the... I mean, I think well, Antigonus is out is that he does get murdered by a bear before he can yeah. um, question Also, his what I was going to say is in my... To my mind, I wrote down as one of my notes, mm -hmm. is that Camillo and Antigonus are foils for each other because both of them are presented as these like close men to the king who are there to do his bidding. Um, but both of them are presented with an evil task, which is Camilla is told yeah. to murder Polixenes and Antigonus is told to murder a child. Mm -hmm. um, and both of them like plead to not have to do it. But then in the end, both of them say yes. Yeah. But Camillo says fuck this, I'm going to tell Polixenes we're going to get out of here. And Antigonus goes, well, I guess I got to kill a baby. You know what I mean? And yeah, so I'm like, but Camillo Sorry. fucking leaves Hermione to hang. Yeah, they both suck. But <laughs> yes, to no, me, you're right. in terms of like the their essential, like what they need to do. Yeah. I just like, it really, it brought up a lot of impeachment. It felt like also and Camilla could only save one person in that in that. And boat. he chose to save Polixenes. Because he's yeah, like, Polixenes what was he going to say to help save They should have taken Hermione. Hermione with them. Yeah, they should have. Um, th that would have definitely. But then there'd be no play. Yeah, I know. They're also dumb. <laughs> Everyone I mean, in this play is dumb. Except every... for Hermione. Hermione's really smart. Everyone is always ever Hermione Perta does is smart too. And Florizel's um, smart. Florizel's pretty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they're all, the kids, the kids are all right. No, Paulina's a fucking G. Paulina's yeah. the greatest. Um, but yeah, no, but it also brought up a lot of like impeachment Shakespeare's feels. Uh, impeachment feels. Cause I think Shakespeare off, he never, he rarely uses his English history plays to talk about tyranny because he's really careful and really smart. Yeah. And he doesn't want to get in trouble with his government. But when he's talking about foreign Kings or ancient Kings or imaginary Kings, he often discusses like executive unchecked power. Yeah. And I think this is one of those. Cause everyone around Leontes is like, this is a bad idea. And they, but they follow his orders anyway. Cause they're like, well, there's nothing I can do. Even yeah. though you, I mean, the proletariat could rise up. The proletariat uh. could rise up, and oh, we'll get to the shepherd and his son. That scene made me laugh out loud at the end, where they're <laughs> like, "Now we are gentlemen." Yeah. Um, I was a gentleman first because the king turned to me first and was like, "Brother." Anyway, um, yeah. So I I think Leontes is really interesting because the the inciting incident in, of the play isn't oh Leontes it has been seduced by jealousy. It's Leontes has snapped and no one knows why. Yeah. And honestly, we never find out why. No. We sort of get lucky that he like 
comes to when his son dies. Also, that kind of hit me of like at the end of the play, everyone's like, and a happy ending. And <laughs> half of me, because I saw this play, but a long time yeah. ago, was like, oh, maybe part of the Oracle, like when, when, because I could, I remembered that Paulina reveals that Hermione has been alive, but I was like, maybe she also reveals that the son has been alive. And so therefore like the heir arrives when uh, Perdita arrives. Yeah. Nope. That kid's dead. That kid's just dead. <gasps> Everyone's like, yeah, dead. happy ending. But this I, child is dead because his mother is was in also prison. Also brought up child family separation feels. Yeah. Um, Shakespeare's so politically relevant. Uh, I've seen productions where Mamilius is portrayed as sickly from the beginning. So it's a little less of a shock when mm. he dies of grief. Um, again, like... This play is weirdly smart in that it's simultaneously so fairy tale esque and so unrealistic, and also hyper realistic in this weird way. Which I, if, can we talk about a theme? Yeah, let's talk a about theme. themes. Um, my theme, my theme of the day, my is, theme, my theme for Winter's Tale is magic. by Charlotte <laughs> Helen Aline. Because <laughs> themes are for eighth grade book reports, according to the writers of uh, Game of Thrones. That's what they said in an interview. That we don't not think about George R. R. Martin. No, not George R. R. Martin. The, he understands theme. No, D and D, the television writers. Anyway, um, but magic is interesting because I feel like a lot of Shakespeare's later plays get called the romances, and they're all lumped under this weird magicy umbrella of like the Tempest. There is literal magic. Magic is literally real in the little literal world. Pericles. Is there magic in Pericles? I forget. No one, no one cares. Um, whatever. <laughs> you are the only human being on this earth who's done Pericles Twice. more than one. Two times. Um, I, you should know Pericles more I than anyone else. Don't remember. It's, no one cares. Um, but this is a play that ha- has magic on its surface, but doesn't actually. And I think this ties into what I was saying about like the men all live in this hyper-emotional, very fragile kind of magical thinking world and the women for the most part are mostly by force like live relentlessly in the real world i will say a small part of me was like reading this i would say medium closely because again my memory (laughs) of it was that oh actually like i think of paulina as magical but she's not actually magical she just reveals that hermione's alive in this weird way but i realized it could be magic. It could you be magic. You could totally stage it, it that magic. she is a witch and she has made Hermione <laughs> into a statue and the statue comes to life because there's nothing in the language that says, like like in many other, again, to use Othello as an example, where he's like, I will tell you by what charms I got your daughter. And then he's like, it was charisma. Charisma was the charm, right? So it's like, Danielle's oh, actually, opinion on The Winter's Tale is that Othello is a great play. <laughs> literally. Um, but like the, this one, there's no moment where they're like, oh, actually, it's not magic at all. They're just like, Oh, cool, she's alive. Cut to the servants. Which um, is so, which is what's part of what I love is that he leaves a lot like, of. I would stage it fairy tale to the max. I would she not. Would. <laughs> I, would, I would stage it that Paul, Paulina is staging it fairy tale to the max. Yes. Um, Give but, me dry ice. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I, Paulina will spring from dry ice. She's rich. I like that she's also like, they're like, Paulina, we walked through your art gallery and we didn't see the statue. And it's like, fuck yeah, Paulina, go off having a personal art gallery. She's just like, yeah, um, this is where I hang out. <laughs> um, also, where are Paulina's three daughters that she allegedly has um, with Antigonus? She keeps them far away from the <laughs> But okay, so here, here's the thing. Yes, Shakespeare is smart and usually intentional. He knew that he wrote a play where Leontes snaps immediately. And he knew that he wrote a play where it's ambiguous whether anything magic happens. 
But what I find really interesting is that, like, with the exception of the Oracle, which is treated as religion, which I don't think anyone in Shakespeare's time would have seen as magical, like, religion wasn't magic in the same way of, like, witchcraft and whatnot and fairy tale shit. Um, but the magical stuff that happens is, like, the bear is a little weird and the statue thing. The bear thing, I clocked this. I also feel like the Oracle is magic in a way. I mean, it gives it a prophecy a that does come to pass. It does. It's so, true. sorry, continue. Um, I would, in my staging, Danielle yes. and I have diametrically opposed stagings. Uh, where No, we, actually, I pictured the whole time I was reading it, your staging of like super melodrama at the beginning and then really oh, funny at the in the second half. Ag- that was agreed. actually informed my read of it in a really <laughs> helpful way. Um, agreed about that. But uh, the other thing I would stage, I would stage it as... Paulina fakes that oracle because I would stage this in a world where there's no magic. Oh, I love that. Um, I love that. Because I think what's really interesting is that, like, Leontes lives in a crazy magical world where he just makes shit up and freaks and out about real it. because there's no one um, who can tell him no. Antigonus, when he's like, hey, take my newborn infant baby daughter and leave her in the woods. Antigonus is like, yeah, I'll do that. You know, sometimes in fairy tales, like wolves and bears raise, raise babies, so probably she'll be okay. Well, that's his compromise. Again, in terms of why I feel like Camillo and, and Antigonus are foils is he's, he does try to compromise, but he, he's like, okay, instead of killing her, let me just leave her, which is this weird passive way of being like, I won't have to kill her. Nature will kill her. But maybe she'll get rescued if it's meant to be. Right. Which she does. But but. it's so wild because Antigonus is like, maybe a bear will raise her. And then he gets there and a bear eats him. And it's like, yeah, Antigonus, because bears don't adopt and raise human babies. They They eat people. people. Haven't you seen Grizzly Man? Yes. Um, Haven't you seen The Revenant? (laughs) Which our favorite story about one of our roommates is that he sat down to watch The Revenant. And literally within like one minute, he sits down and he goes, can't wait for the bear part. I can't wait for the bear part, which is also <laughs> how I feel about this play. We'll revisit the bear. Yeah. Um, but because I, I want to talk about the different stagings you can have for the bear because people always get weird about it. It's the weirdest um, part. It's the hardest but and I most important part of doing this play. For me, the whole first half, a lot of it exists in such this like all the men live in this really hyper nonsense dramatic realm. And then the bear literally eats Antigonus. And then the statue stuff... Yes, it is very wondrous, but there are so many hints that Paulina, like a good best friend, just hid Hermione for 16 years until she was 10,000% sure, or 10,000% sure that that Leontes Leontes was cool and not gonna hurt her. Exactly, and also that even making up the statue story is a good idea because that way if any servant like happens to see her, She's like, no, I have this statue. Well, it also lets her off the hook that he's not like, why the fuck did you hide my living wife from me for 16 years? She's like, no, it was a magical statue. Yeah. But I think the big, the big, big, big hints that... No, it's definitely not. In my opinion, it's definitely intended to be that it is not a real magic moment. I just thought it was funny that I was expecting the, the language to... Uh, concretely dismantle it and it didn't so I was like there is room for this to be a total fairy tale but I think we should talk about the moments where the language does drop those hints oh yeah 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 um, because uh, I love Paulina where they're like whoa it's like sh- how she would have looked if she was a little older like <laughs> whoa it's like she's breathing and I can see her blood moving the first thing Leontes says he's like wow so beautiful looks just like my wife why is she so wrinkled though and Paulina's like oh the sculptor designed her that way 
and then it's what she would have been like older. Yeah, and then little Perdita, the daughter, is like, "Let me kiss my mother's hand," and Polana's like, "No, no, the paint is still drying." Yeah, um, and which is also a crazy thing to say when you're like, "I've had this statue <laughs> for years and years." years. Um, and then uh, Leontes is like, "I'm gonna kiss her," and Polana's like, "No, no, 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 don't do that." Yeah, the paint is drying. Don't do it. Um, yeah, and then when Hermione finally snaps out of it. What she says to Perdita is like, oh, I've heard from Paulina about this uh, oracle. And it one, Hermione was on stage for the oracle, so that's just Shakespeare forgetting that. But two, like, when would she have heard from Paulina if she straight up died right after <laughs> that scene? Yeah. Like, clearly Paulina has been talking to her for these 16 yeah, years. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely, uh, definitely. Paulina, this is a play about a, a, the ideal female friendship between Hermione and Paulina. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just, Danielle, if my husband ever snaps and tries to murder me and my children, I, I will hope... 100% hide you and pretend you're a statue, and then I will verbally abuse him for 16 <laughs> years until your child is old enough to take the throne and keep it from him. <sighs> Should we talk about Hermione before we get into Pauline and the other yeah. smaller characters? It's funny, Hermione I don't have as many feelings about because she's just... Amazing is my main feeling about her. Again, so rational. I, I love that her main quality is rationality mm-hmm. and that literally, like, her reaction when she's told, like, I think you're cheating on me and bleh, she's like, I'm not going to cry because I know that you're going to regret this. Yeah. Like, she is just utterly confident. Um, yeah. And she just knows what is what and there's never a moment where she has a doubt. There is never a moment of being flustered it also tells the audience like it, it, it even more telegraphs how irrational Leontes yeah. is that there's no guilty conscience here mm-hmm. there's nothing there's nothing yeah also though like this is literally just occurring to me yeah. like is this also the practice of someone who has been married to a highly emotional person yeah. like even if it hasn't necessarily been directed at her before is this maybe just not the first time Leontes is having a moment and she's like, mm-hmm. I know this is going to pass and you're going to feel really bad. So I'm just going to be here for you through it. Yeah. And maybe this is the first time it's directed at her. I think that's what? almost certainly true because everyone else is so shocked by it. Yeah. And so certain of her pristine reputation, or I think if this had happened a few times, they'd be like, well, he has thought this before, but yeah, and like you said, it's, it's an unchecked power. Mm-hmm. He's an Old, he's not an old man, but he's an older ruler. He's old enough to have a son who's like of talking age. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's and I I do like that she also isn't like fuck you forever. Like just in terms of their relationship, she leaves that for Paulina to do. Yeah. Well, I like that the play does it, yeah. but that it doesn't come from Hermione just as a character. It's also interesting, uh, this is also just occurring to me, what yeah. you're saying that, like, the play does intentionally leave some doubt about whether or not any magic goes on. Yeah. Um, so that you could, sh- I think it's clear what side Shakespeare probably fell on. I mean, the side Shakespeare fell on is, like, laughing all the way to the bank. But, yeah, and um, it's a very, like I said, I think it's very clear that there really is no magic in this play except for maybe the Oracle, and even that, like you said, I think is more religious than it is magical. But, yeah, maybe but the Oracle. But the vibe of the play has you, enough. You could do the statue if you want to yeah if you <laughs> go off yeah i mean make Pauline a witch that's cool i think i just um, like witches yes i uh, my, my favorite witch. i'm just all, all i want to talk about is Polina. but uh yeah. my favorite one of my favorite lines is when leontu says to her i'll have thee burnt and she says i care not yeah um so metal 
But yeah, I think it's interesting that this is a play where they're like, they so doubt about whether or not there's magic, where there's a, a bear attack. There's like all this random weird stuff, but never that's up for debate about what's really going on. But never for a moment does anyone read this play and think that Hermione is guilty. Yeah. It's just like so clear that she's innocent and she is so articulate and argues her case so clearly. Yeah. I think that was something else that really brought up how this play deals with like the gender power struggle is when she's uh, at her trial and defending herself. Also, like she's just given birth and she's presumably going into labor as she's being dragged away, which is like, I think an amazing actress challenge that she's doing this while like fighting for her life. Um, literally, especially at yeah. that time with their medicine. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And that literally in her defense, she's like, I can't believe you brought me here. I just gave birth. Like, and you just took away my baby and I'm, and, and she's, uh, she's so strong. Uh, but she, she talks about like, I'm a King's daughter. Like she's someone who should have power too innately if we're going off of like royalty and yeah. she just doesn't next to her husband. Yeah. She's so cool. She's so cool. <laughs> I also, you know, as a huge Harry Potter nerd, it's yeah. like, this has got to be where the name comes oh, yeah, from. Yeah, yeah. What other Hermione can you think of? So I just love that. There are basically only two Hermione's literally, and they're both badasses. And both turn to stone and, and then come back. And both also like geniuses stone. and like both and also both strong women who are um posed against more emotional male archetypes. Yeah. Like that is both of their thing is being able to be cool and rational and logical under high, high pressure. Yeah, I also think it's interesting that even though the women are pretty rational even like Pauline is very angry but still in a rationally uh, backed way um they're still more empathetic than most of the men and like Antigonus feels bad about things but he's I don't know I'm he's not he's, he's the saddest um, and he's a he's spineless he's, I mean uh, he's, yeah. again it's it's that person and it's hard because I, I think that the play doesn't really blame him the way that I kind of think the audience yeah. should because everyone's like Aw, and he does get murdered, and Polina's like, <laughs> we love Polina, and she's like, my husband is gone because of you. So in the and and he does he's like well meaning, but it's those are the people who make bad things happen. Like if no one is down yeah. to kill this baby, this baby doesn't get killed. You yeah, know? and yeah. it's like upsetting because it's I don't know, it's just an archetype that's important to notice. Yeah, and I think that's what was also made me think a lot about checks and balances, that there are a lot of people who are like, this is wrong. I'm not going to do anything to stop it, but I would like my objection noted. Yeah. Whereas Paulina's like, all right, I will kidnap your wife and hide her for years. Yeah. Uh, should we talk about the bear as long as we're talking about oh, big things my God. and the transition from winter to spring? Yes. Um, yeah. It's the best stage direction of all time. My th big thing about it... I like, I feel like it's just Shakespeare's fuck you to anyone who ever wants to stage this play because what you want to do, what your first instinct is as a person, presumably on a budget, producing this play, and even if you're not on a budget, producing this play, mm -hmm. barring having a bear, which most <laughs> of us don't, um, you're like, well, is there a way to stage it that he, you know, just like sees the bear and runs yeah. off because there is language then telling us about the bear, but because he is pursued by the bear and then eaten by the bear, whichever way he runs, 
theoretically, the bear has to run after him. <laughs> so we have to see the bear. You really can't stage it otherwise. I will say we saw a production together at the park years ago yeah. where they had this like billowing sail behind Antigonus it was like as a he said the... Shadow puppet bear situation. Yeah, well, it was a billowing sail because he'd presumably mm-hmm. just landed on the shores of Bohemia and then he like looked up and saw the shadow of the bear which got bigger and bigger and bigger and then it all like consumed the stage and, and then it's the revenant. But uh, I also think if you're trying to redeem Antigonus, um, he leads the bear away from the baby, which is okay. Sorry to talk. Sorry to be that girl who's talking yeah. about like, well, in my high school production, but in my high school production, yeah. um, uh, our, our Antigonus played the violin. So um, he plays for the baby. Uh, and I think the line I again in the grand tradition of what you will do not have the script in front of me but I think the line is like uh, like this shall be thy lullaby where he's talking about the storm there's a storm brewing which is why the ship also crashes and sinks or whatever um, and but in, in our production he started playing the violin for her Aww. and then the bear shows up and he leads the bear off with the violin to lead her away f- lead the bear away from the baby uh, which I think is the only way you can redeem Antigonus. Oh, I is like that. In his he, last moments. In his last moments, he sacrifices himself to save the baby. I, yeah. Again, Even which is to say, like... naive thoughts that maybe yeah. the baby will be okay. <laughs> like, he's a putz, but I, I think you can make him redeemable in that way. And I think that you do want him to be at least kind of redeemable because... he's married to Paulina, who's Paulina a badass. Paulina is sad that he's dead. Yeah, and also... And again, because he does, like, even he in his up. misguided way, he supports Polina and he does he is the one who changes Leonti's mind about just murdering the baby yeah like this isn't a good option but it is better and because we're in this weird fairy tale feeling world yeah I don't know he does and he he's like my wife is a witch and I'm proud of her yeah um but also with the bear again in our high school production which I think I would go even further with it a, a real full budgeted production Um, the first half was all in black and very dramatic and Cecilia was very dark and cold and wintry and scary and gothic and it was a tragedy and then the bear was a child in a bear suit Um, it was a pretty good bear suit too it wasn't like I mean it was goofy Um, but I I think there's something so I think it should just be an Ewok the Ewok some... chases him across the stage. <laughs> um, I mean, I think it's fun if it's a big dumb bear costume, though, because and people often no, will try to do like an abstracted bear, a shadow bear, the sound of a bear, and like whatever. We all have the budgets we have, and we do with them what we must. But I think having what a, you will, what you will. I think having a, a kid in a bear costume or an adult in a bear costume come out and chase this guy off stage really sets the tone for this like. <gasps> It's spring. Suddenly, it's the thaw. This is a comedy now. Well, that's what I wrote is like the swap to funny prose it's is sudden. immediate. There's no prose before the bear. Yeah. It's just, it's all this like flowery melodrama. And then as soon as the bear comes on, Shakes again, it's like I've always thought of it as this big fuck you from Shakespeare of like, this is an unstageable thing. Have fun. But also what he has given you is, I maybe this is giving too much credit, but is a purposefully undoable assignment. (laughs) And so what you have to do is be creative. And if you are 
looking closely, you realize that this is where the swap occurs, and that bear literally wipes the stage like an improv. Yeah. When you need to end a scene, <laughs> you have a person run across the, the front of the stage to like signify that it's over and there's something else happening. This is that, except that person is dressed as a bear. Yeah. yeah, and you literally have an old man, like old man Winter, finding a baby, and it's and then we just go into which jokes is like you know Hercules' and dad, and jokes and like jokes and all jokes. of the every you know, yeah, every fairy tale. Yeah, and it goes. And I love that his first joke is about how um, he would rather not be a teen or in his early twenties because that's I when know. people are mad. So like relatable content. I know, and the shepherd comes out, and then the shepherd's son runs on and is like, oh man, look over there, there's a guy getting eaten by a bear. Bummer. Cra- crazy world. Um, but it's all, it's played for laughs. Yeah. And it's funny, it's also, I think it's just my trauma from Two Gents of Verona, but I think getting to this play, like, yeah, Autolycus gets a little tiresome, unless you're Harold Bloom, who loves every Autolycus-like character to death. Um, but the clowns are funny. Yeah. They're funny clowns. They're funny clowns. That's great. And there's there's also a gaggle of clowns. There's so I think many that clowns. it's also, you know, I, I obviously found two gents a little funnier than you did, but like I, I, I love when there's a gaggle of clowns because you like don't like one dog. clown, you like another clown. It's true. When you, you have a tro- but when you tire of a telekiss, there's the shepherd and his son. And the shepherd's son is in many versions. And isn't his name clown? His name is clown in many versions. Which is, is also um, so funny because so- I didn't find him more clowny than the others, but his name is clown. His name is clown. Uh, probably he was just like played by Shakespeare's stock clown. Yeah. But it's just, it's so joyful. It's so joyful. And then the next. Then, well, the next thing we have the time monologue, which, I mean, you could replace with a, a, a placard that says 16 years later. I think there's something cute about having um, Amelius do it or some I was going to say, it's also it. so funny. Like, to me, like, the idea of some guy coming out and being like, me? On time. Especially because we haven't established that in any way up to this point. <laughs> no. It felt almost like Monty Python-esque. Of like, <laughs> this it's is like a very deeply, Monty Python-esque play. Deeply surreal. It's like now we're in those weird deep cut cartoon Monty Python moments. Yeah. Of like, this <laughs> and is now like, for something completely different. Literally. It's like time comes out and he's like, oh, did you think this was a drama, motherfuckers? <laughs> I'm time. <laughs> Just riddle me that. It's so just, it's so delightfully dumb. And I think what's what's fun about the meta-ness of this play, the fact that we have things like, like literally in that great scene later where the, the servants are telling each other the story of a scene that happens off stage, they're like, he was eaten by a bear. I know that's gonna, it sounds like something you would see on stage, but it's true. It's like extremely self-aware of how cartoonish it it's is. It's very meta. And again, I think even the way Leontes is written, like, so much of this play feels ridiculous until you allow the world of the play to know it's ridiculous. And then there's something so delightfully weird about it. I mean, I think- it's Shakespeare, one of Shakespeare's m- most bananas, like, meta abstract absurd <laughs> it's, it's, it's an absurdist in, comedy it's so absurd and and i think the first half of this play it's like that japanese horror movie audition that people talk about except in reverse where uh, i don't a, know that do you, you don't want to hear the premise do you i mean you can say it it's like a man has an audition to find a girlfriend and you think it's a rom-com and then he finds like this cute girl um and then like halfway through i haven't seen audition i'm just a uh, a big time <laughs> reader of Wikipedia pages for About, horror movies yeah. that I will never watch. And halfway through the movie, um, she's like answering a phone call or something. We got a shot of her in her apartment. It's like completely empty. And you're like, uh-oh. Oh, and no. then she turns out to be a, a 
crazy serial killer murderer. Oh no! Um, yeah, how scary. Yeah. So, it, but it, it's like the first like hour of this play is like tricking you into thinking it's one thing, and then a bear comes out and eats someone, and Shakespeare's like, "Just kidding! This one's a comedy." Exactly. And I also think that again, there are like a zillion ways to stage this play, and I do kind of love the idea of the first one being melodrama and the second half being. Like silly, absurd, like clown style of the Pippin revival, where everyone is acrobats. Yeah, exactly. But I also think that there's room, if you want it, for the first half to also be hilarious, because like part of comedy is having one foot in reality and one foot in your knowledge of what's funny. Yep. And especially if you have a, an actor playing Leontes who they themselves are really funny, I think they can also make so much of that rage madness funny and it just becomes like a heightening of itself so when you get to the oracle it's by then it's Mm -hmm. like it's a clown who's doing their clown thing who's like this is what makes me funny this clown is that i'm in a rage um a john cleese character yeah i wouldn't i I agree that that's possible i'm not saying that that's the best way to stage it but i think it's it's good to know that like the second half of this play reminds you that the first half was also ridiculous. I think whether that, or yes. not it was funny. I think that's true. I think I, I and and the valid way to, yeah. to stage it go off. I would love to see John Cleese play Leontes. Yeah. Um. But I also, I also make him more likable and make the thing more like oh okay I'm watching this because yeah. I like you. Yeah. Um. um but I, I think also what's so like wintry and a wi- story and wintry to spring yeah. and also about storytelling. Uh, all Shakespeare's plays are about storytelling, but yeah. about storytelling in this particular way where it's like also the stories we tell ourselves and like the stories that Leontes Construct. bo- constructs and then lives inside of. He lives inside of his own fant evil worst his own nightmare. nightmare yeah. yeah, that he did to himself um, is I think what's lovely about the first half being kind of one scary because someone with unchecked power having like a breakdown is scary. Can anyone in America so in 2019 scary. imagine? And two, um, something about that like catastrophizing energy of, oh no, everything is bad. I'm spiraling. I'm having a breakdown going into like, now it's goofy is so lovely. And like a reminder of, yeah, even when things seem like they're the worst ever, it's not going to be bad forever. There are ways out of and it. And that it is so much like the there are other genres experience of, being an animal we are all animals <laughs> and i do think if you look across culture we tend to put these like big happy feasts in the middle or beginning of winter yeah. because we're like everything is dying what if we're all gonna die yep let's just get drunk for a month let's have christmas let's have yule let's have hanukkah let's have whatever let's celebrate light also now it's scary and then the spring comes and even today in our very you know a technological world that one week of spring the first week of spring in new york <laughs> is so you powerful. just see every human being in new york is like me in sheep's I'm, meadow yes, in sheep's meadow appropriate but before we leave winter entirely we should finish up talking about the the wintry characters yes the witch the witch the winter Paulina. witch the snow queen oh god i love paulina so she's much. such a bamf that's a word that no one that, has used oh, in five that. to ten years. <laughs> that did me. <laughs> I just felt myself grow older when you said that. Uh, you can tell that we're millennials and not Gen Z. Oh, no, not at all. Um, um, carry but, on, Gen Z. 
Yeah, she's so good. She's so good, and her voice is so clear. I, I just made a point to pull up um, her speech at the end of Act 3, Scene 2. I just wrote, so passive-aggressive, because she just is like... What studied torments tyrants has for me? What wheels racks fires? What flaying boiling in leads or oils? What new or older torture must I endure whose every word deserves a taste of thy most worse? Thy tyranny together with thy jealousies. Fancies too green for... Boy, uh, too weak for boys, too green and idle for girls of nine. That's as much as I got. Oh, wow. I'm really impressed. That was off of her head. And Charlotte <laughs> played this in high school. Um, no, I was going to say the speech where she says, I'm sorry for it. And she starts going that through all speech, the things she's yeah. like, quote mm-hmm. unquote, sorry about. But literally, she's like, um, now, good my liege, sir, royal sir, forgive a foolish woman. The love I bore your queen, lo, fool again. I'll speak of her no more, nor of your children. I'll not remember you of my own land, who is lost too. Like, take your patience, I'll say nothing. She spent this whole scene yeah. railing, and she keeps, oh, me, I'm not going to talk about all the things you fucked up. You know how you fucked up this, and you know, fucked up that, and you fucked up this. And again, when we then see them again later yeah. in the play, she's clearly been saying essentially this for 16 years it's so wild that, and we'll, we'll get more into the spring stuff next time, but it's so wild how passive aggressive she is. I'm also a little salty about this forever because my, I mean, I love I love you, Mysteriano, and you're perfect, and you've never been wrong about anything, but she did give me the direction to play this kind of earnest when she's like, sorry. Oh, no, it's For like so making sarcastic. him cry, and I still think it's sarcastic because that's how I played it originally. Pauline, I will give her, she can be kind of a one note character because she's just so angry. Yeah. Um, but with good reason. Yeah. I mean, her best friend <laughs> is dead and her king is going mad. There's also like you can play stakes there of like if this is what he's capable of turning on a dime, who knows? He could start a war. He's dangerous. He must be squashed. She's also so that the fact that her tactic, her rhetorical tactic is always to be like so what are you going to do to me because you've done these horrible things to the people you actually love and I'm a garbage witch? And also to be like, you know what? I'm not even going to bring up how you just murdered your wife and children. <laughs> she's so... Uh, yeah, she's just like very smart with how she berates him. I, my one, the only flaw I can lay at Paulina's feet is that she leaves the baby with them. Yeah. When she, uh, she, she shows the baby to Leontes to be like, look, a baby. But I also think, doesn't she get dragged she out? She gets of dragged her? out of the room. So yeah. she couldn't have done anything. Yeah. I'd like to imagine she's like <laughs> scratching at the door trying to yeah, get Yeah, she in. has a few lines like, what need these hands or whatever as she's yeah. being dragged away. She's literally physically being dragged away. Oh, God. She's got such good speeches of just tearing uh, Leontes apart. And, and in the latter half of the play, uh, she's still like constantly, every other word out of her mouth is like, but remember your wife was hotter, but you're never getting married again unless I give you permission. Yeah. She's like running this motherfucker. Yeah. At this point she's like, I am in charge here. It's also, Oh, the one creepy moment of this play that uh, no one talks about. And with good reason is when uh, Leontes sees baby Perdita all grown up. um, And he's like, Oh, if I were a younger man and Pauline is like, don't you fucking dare say that. Your wife was beautiful and you must only think about your wife. Yeah. I'd like to think Pauline is a little bit like uh, just shutting gross. it down because he's being gross to a young woman who is his daughter. But at least he doesn't know it in that moment. No, he doesn't know it and Pauline doesn't know it. I mean, but it's still it, gross. It's still but bad. It's still gross. It's still bad. not great. Um, 
But I also like that Paulina is like, your wife was so much hotter than this broad. And then presumably a scene later, Paulina is like, my beloved lost princess. Yes, we love you. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, she's just, she's so good and and wintry and witchy. Winter witch. I I don't, I mean, I, I think there's a fun production where she is a genuine witch, but I also think there's something very fun to... She's just a, a very outspoken woman who yeah. gets tarred as a witch. And that's why she's like, you know what? I bet I could do magic. And they would literally believe it. Which is also like witches through history, yeah. right? If you examine, <laughs> as you have, the, the history of witches. So much of the history of witches is people being like, a woman who is strong and lives alone? She must be doing magic. I also think there's something kind of fun to the fact that Paulina does, uh, short-lived though it is, have like a healthy relationship since, I mean, you know, more power to the strong, independent, single witch. Uh, But witches are almost always single, historically, and in myth and whatever. They're always like a dried-up old crone. I mean, this is really the two kinds of female monster are the dried-up old crone and the like seductress, which are how uh, th- that's how Leontes sees Hermione and uh, Paulina. Paulina is the witch. Hermione is the sexy monster. Seductress. Yeah. But there is something cool about the fact that she's neither of those things. She's like, "Fuck you! I'm just a lady, and she, I'm yeah. mad at you." And like she and Antigonus killing my friend. Yeah, she and Antigonus have a beautiful relationship of where she's, she's very strong she's and the, he's very spineless, and that's she, their she's whole the thing. Top. That's their kink. Yeah. And they're into it, and it's beautiful, and then he gets eaten by a bear. Yeah. I just, the fact that she's pawned up on Camillo. Oh, do we have to talk about Camillo before we leave Wintertown? I wrote, Camillo is stupid. Let's poison JK, never mind. Camillo's the most easily led man. He, I mean, yes, he comes up with the plot in the second half to be like, I'll go home. To Cecilia. He just... If, it feels like he unnecessarily complicates everything he yeah. needs to do. But he does, again, I don't I don't blame him as forcefully because he does he's not as go against what he promised. Like, yes. he's like, yes, I'll poison him. No, not going to do that. Yes, I'll do what you say. I'm still going to find a way home. Yeah. Yeah, like, he's, he's... I think there is both room for him to be, like, kind of, like, not so smart but well-intentioned. And also room for him to be, like... Kind of secretly clever, and everyone just is like, "Ah, oh, he's a yes man." I think there's room for either of those interpretations of his actions. Yeah, and that second one makes him a better match for Paulina. You just have to like work to play it. Yeah, if you make him more like a like chaotic good Iago type, where he's like subterfuge, but for a wholesome reason then I guess that's kind of fun. Or also, like, just, like, I, I've i got my eye on the prize, but I'm aware of my limitations by my social status. Yeah. 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 He's just, he's kind of a nothing He's really a plot device character. Yeah. Which I think is why I compare him to Friar Lawrence, because he's the... I mean, Antigonus, at least, like, he's spineless, but his character is being spineless. Yeah. So, like, he's got, he's got that going for him, and he's got his, like, super sexy Dom wife. Yeah. But... I also Camillo. just wrote poor Camillo like halfway through Act 4. I know. And I was like, he's just like trapped on this fucking dumb. Polixenes is like, let's go spy on my son. Now I'm mad. And Camillo's like, do we have to? Camillo's like, why okay. am I here? I want to go home. I don't care. <laughs> Camillo, poor Camillo. He, yeah, I, I guess I am a little too hard on him. But the fact that Leontes is like, I'm going to poison Polixenes. And Camillo's like, I guess I'll poison Polixenes then. Yeah, that moment I was like, what is like, wrong with Camillo. these people? Like, I guess they're trying to set up that he's very loyal, but then he immediately abandons Leontes to go with Polixenes, so he's not 
I don't think he's that so, loyal. He's not I that really loyal. don't. I think he's, he's just worried about his job. He's just afraid. I think he's just kind of spineless. Which is relatable. It's like he like wants to do the right thing, but I think more than anything, he spends the whole place scared. Because I also that's how I interpreted his his relationship with Polixenes. He's like, I want to go home, and Polixenes like, you can't, and he's like, okay, and he's like, and you have to come with me to find my son. He's like, okay. Like, the, he, he really he, never does anything that puts himself in any kind of danger. He, yeah. He just tells the audience what he wants and then, like, hopes it happens. You know what? Camillo as Sad Sack is really very appealing. Like, a kind of a Tony Hale yeah, as Camillo. that's who I want to play, Camillo. <laughs> I would love... Uh, who's just like, all right, yes, mother. <laughs> <laughs> yes, mother. I, and that makes sense why he's matched up with Paulina at the end, because they're like, Paulina, we, like, we know this is your type. Yeah, you're just going <laughs> to boss you this like guy a, around. a guy you can boss around. It's also fun in uh, Leontes Court, the only one with a spine. The only ones with spines are Hermione and Paulina. Yeah. Paulina's like the spitfire angry one, and Hermione's like extremely steadfast. Re- reasonable yeah. and steadfast. Um, before we leave Wintertown, I guess we should also talk about Mil- Mamilius. He's a child. That's his character trait. It's sad. He gets dead. I mean, he tells... He tells the, the winter story. He He's the, the one who frames story. like, and we're in winter tale land. He says like, a, you know, a sad tale's best for winter. Um, and there's like that dumb banter he has with the nursemaids where he's like trying to objectify them in that weird, he's got that weird little scene where he's like, what color are your eyebrows to one of his nursemaids? And she's like, blue, my Lord. And he's like, nay, not blue. Ladies eyebrows should look like this. And they're like, what are you talking about? I don't know. I guess you could read into that, that he's like already being set up in this like patriarchal world of the court yeah um or that he's just like a clever kid which is probably how that, yeah i think more it's interesting just, i think but. he's just it's just to make us have any kind of affection for mamilius before yes. they kill him i also one small thing i noticed although this was one of those moments where i was like is this me getting too english teachery yeah was that in his like song about winter he sings a little bit about the color red mm-hmm. and there's like a lot like red imagery in it and then once we get to the 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 summer summer people mm-hmm. the spring people um there's a line about being red with mirth Oh, and I thought fine. it was interesting to like thread that in uh, and wasn't quite sure what to make of it. I'm sure you can make some choice on it and somebody smarter than me can make an argument about mm-hmm. it. But I don't know if it was just like that red can change or just threaded through or a little bit just the like cohesiveness of it all, cohesion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was just something I clocked. If you don't give Mamilius a teddy bear in the first half of this play, you're a joke and a fraud. He has to play with a teddy bear, and then the bear comes in the middle. Oh, nice. That's good. That's good foreshadowing. It's very good. It's good foreshadowing. <laughs> also, this is not really mamilius And they bring the teddy bear on when they say he's dead to remind <gasps> oh, you, so it's rule of three. Rule of threes. Three bears. Cla- a classic three bear. Classic three little bears. I also think Mamilius is interesting that he's kind of the only bright spot in the court of Sisley. I mean, Sisley, we have to assume... Things were okay before Leontes snaps, but he snaps so early in the play yeah. that Mamilius is like the only point of levity in yeah. that first half. And I think there's something, I mean, that's why it's sad when he dies. Uh, but it's also something like sweet in that Leontes like already had, like he has a great kid and a great wife and a nice life, but like being powerful and a king is is not great for him whereas like the shepherds are like killing it just hanging out in the pasture i mean that's a very like 
idealized rich people writing about the poor kind of pastoral comedy. But, but still, that's what we've got here. You can't buy happiness. Or winter. <laughs> Good. And now, Goodreads Reviews. This is the weirdest Shakespeare I ever read for my gender in Shakespeare class in college. There's a queen who is dead for, like, 20 years. Then the king finds a statue of her. Then it's not a statue. It's really her. Um, okay, Will. Did you ever read about that guy in the Bible that sicked a bear on some kids that made fun of him? Yeah, this is kind of like that. In that it has a bear that shows up out of nowhere and kills a person. I thought it was a joke the first time I read it. I guess I can say the same about the Bible too, though. (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) Hot take. Disjointed, ridiculous, and senseless. Leontes' sudden murderous jealousy evoked without visible cause is simply not believable, nor is his sudden repentance of it, yet all the action of the play hinges on it. The play staggers from tragedy to farce to romantic comedy and is as neatly tied up with an impossible happy ending as is the story of Job. (laughs) I struggle to finish this one, not one of the bar's best. Biblical this season, this Mm. week. This is good reads. (laughs) This winter. (laughs) Rich dramatic play, and in fact, I no longer see the so-called exaggerations in the synthesis of coincidences in the classic theater because I saw a lot of coincidences in the real life. What are the strangest much? Exclamation point. Pericles is better than The Winter's Tale. Ouch. This was a good play. The plot was good, and the characters were fine. Just not amazing or special. (laughs) (laughs) The only things I liked about The Winter's Tale were... Autolycus is seen with the clown, satire of court life, yus, Paulina, one badass lady, the bear. Not my favorite Shakespeare play, Cheap Hamlet. (laughs) (laughs) I don't usually write reviews for Shakespeare's plays because, let's face it, he's a pretty famous bloke and everyone and their mother has said their bit. However, However, considering I'm reading this for an academic essay, I'm a little bit miffed. Well, that's uh, escalated quickly. Seriously, what the heck, Leonidas? (laughs) Leonidas. Leonidas? Oh, you know, the main character from 300. (laughs) What the hell is going on in this? We have a bloke who just automatically assumes his wife is having an affair and, as usual for a majority of Shakespeare's plot slash characters, he doesn't bother researching into it. People just die and then everything works... These are all one. Oh, sorry. Works out well in the end, including the resurrection of Hermione. What happened to reviving the boy? He's the real victim here. And on top of all this... This is supposed to be a comedy? I didn't laugh once, not even at the famous exit pursued by a bear line. I mean, where did the bear even come from? I've gained nothing from this text whatsoever, and I can already tell I'm going to hate writing about it. I never expected to see the word dildo in one of Shakespeare's plays. I ship Paulina and Hermione, okay? This has been Goodreads Reviews. Well, Burr, I think that it's, <laughs> it's no. so cold. We need to we need to end this wintry episode. Mm, see you next time in spring. Yeah, and also in Bohemia at a sheep shearing festival. Yeah, we'll we'll talk way in more about clowns years. and lovers in sixteen years. <laughs>
Uh, you can email us at whatyouwillpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Instagram at what underscore you underscore will underscore podcast. Uh, as well as on Facebook at whatyouwillpodcast. Sorry that this episode has the hissing of our elderly radiator. But you can imagine that we're recording it from a, it. a pit of snakes. Just, we're, we're really committed to our craft, and they're, oh, get away from me. Ah, the snakes, the, <laughs> the snakes, snakes, they're attacking me. They're, ouch. I've been. Bye, everyone. <laughs> has been shaking his head at us he's just quietly eating his chicken over rice frowning at our jokes it's okay chris now we can watch baby yoda we're gonna watch baby yoda